Welcome back, folks, to episode um, number eight of City Champions Podcast, which will be actually the final episode for a while, my podcast series since uh, my senior year is coming to an end. Um, It's been actually a pretty brutal month of sports since um, pretty much every sports uh, event is being shut down to the, um, the virus. But I'm still going to get into um, five topics a day surrounding Boston sports and one national. So the first thing we're going to get into is um, thoughts on, um, obviously, March Madness being canceled due to the virus. So um, this first came out that the um, tournament was still, tournament was still going to be played. There's just no fans, so the only people would be there would be the players and then limited family members, So, um, which... I was still annoyed about because we were planning on going to one of the games in Albany, but I was like, oh, at least it's still going to happen. Hopefully they don't cancel it. So we were planning on going to the first first round in Albany, which would be probably like 11 seed or versus 6 seed, those type of games in the first round. So, and then a day later, I was going to work and they announced they canceled the tournament because of the virus. And my thoughts on it is... I think it was pretty ridiculous they canceled the tournament. Um, no, it's not March. It's not going to be the same without March Madness. It happens once a year. People really look forward to it. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it sucks. They canceled it. But um, what I think they should have done is... Obviously, yeah, we know the virus can spread in groups of people. And there has been thousands of people at the games and outside the stadium and all the venues. But they should have just had on line like an online waiver to um sign for the fans so everybody going to the game would sign a waiver saying oh if um i get the virus i can't sue the venue and people there so they can cover their um so they can cover themselves pretty much so they so they can't get sued they should just did that go to the game at your own risk and they still should have had the games um and i guess they should have stopped it maybe if somebody one of the players caught it like the NBA did, but I still think they should have had it. It should have been go to the game at your own risk. Because even if they played, I guess it still would have been a lot better. Even if they played it with no fans, it would have been the same. There wouldn't be as many upsets since the fans actually have a lot to do with it because the momentum, you feel the crowd, the energy, the momentum, the adrenaline. So, yeah, it's just even if they did play it, it wouldn't have been the same. I mean, they still would have been a champion, I guess. But... It just really stinks. They canceled it. I don't think they should have canceled it. They should have had the waiver thing. And the second part of uh, topic one is um, we just had Betts um, get traded, which is one of our superstars. And then a couple of, well, it happened a couple of days ago. Um, since um, today's the twenty third, so it actually happened. Yeah, so it happened like yeah six days ago because Brady's contract expired the seventeenth. So the seventeenth, he announced he will not be. Coming back to the Patriots and be taking his talents to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the 2020 season. If there's a 2020 season. <laughs> Unless the virus is still going on. But anyways, yeah. I guess I wasn't shocked. I mean, I guess I kind of was. But I mean, I thought he was going to come back to the Patriots. And I kind of wanted him to retire as a Patriot instead of taking his talents elsewhere. But I'm not that mad since... He's took pay cuts over the years and years of the six Super Bowls he's won. And um, the Patriots, I think, only offered around $15 million with a couple of some incentives, incentives, which is like bonuses if you get a certain amount of touchdowns or yards or you go to Pro Bowl. Or, so probably around like $17 million. 
but the um, Bucks actually gave him two. They signed him to two years, which I thought maybe they signed him for one, like the Colts did um, with Philip Rivers. They gave him one year, twenty-five million, but they signed him for two years, fifty million with nine million incentives. So it's pretty much thirty million a year if he gets incentives, which is insane considering that he is forty-two years old, and in my opinion, he's only got one more, not even great year. I just say decent year. In him, since I mean, time's eventually gonna catch up to him. He, I mean, they do call it father time, but um, yeah, obviously, I'm disappointed he left, but I'm not that mad. So now we finally get to um, develop our Jared Stidham, the backup quarterback for the future. And we still got Belichick, and we still got the Colts. So, I mean, it, it's probably gonna be a rough season next year, but it's not gonna be like a Browns or what's gonna happen for 10 years. We should be good in a couple of years, but I just want to like get into like. Some of the details that came out after he signed with the Bucks with Belichick. I thought it was really interesting. So I guess after the 2017 Super Bowl, they came back from 25 down against the Falcons. Um, After that game going into the next season, we were loaded in the QB room. Obviously, we had Brady, Jacoby Brissett, and Jimmy G. So Belichick, I guess, wanted to either yeah pretty much get rid of Brady and develop Jimmy G since he was turning into a star. pretty Or not tur- turning into a star, but... Belichick thought he was, which obviously he is, since he played really well in the first four games. He got suspended that season. So, Brady heard about this, that um, Belichick won and gone, was livid. Then Kraft heard about it, and he said, we're going to shut it down. He's like, this isn't happening. You're not getting traded. So, from 17 to 19, I don't think Brady and Belichick had the best relationship. So, I think that was another reason why he, um, reason that factored him to him leaving knowing that Belichick really just wants to develop another quarterback and one of them gone three years ago. So I think that was another big factor. And obviously, the weather down in Tampa Bay, it's better for his kids, closer, I mean, for his wife to fly to Brazil. But, um, yeah, it's just been a rough month, especially for Boston sports. And then, obviously, with Sale, now going down with Tommy John, we just lost, like, our three best players. Hopefully no Bruins players go down. <laughs> Yeah, that pretty wraps up that topic with March Madness and, um, yeah, Brady. Oh, one more thing with Brady, yeah. He has more, I think he was 249 current wins. That's more wins than the whole entire Bucks roster combined, which is just insane. I don't know really what else he has left to prove, to be honest. I mean, everybody already knows he's the GOAT, best player pretty much ever. Definitely best QB ever since he has six Super Bowls, a couple MVPs, countless playoff wins, 20-year career. I think he just is going to keep playing because he loves football so much and it's his life. I just wish he would have won a paycheck, like I said in the beginning. So going to the second topic, which, again, I guess this kind of ties in our corner too, was uh, my experience at the Celtics game on March 3rd, which was like, yeah, today's the 23rd, so it was like three weeks ago. Um, so me and my three good friends went to the Celtics game Tuesday, which was the 3rd. We bought these tickets months in advance since we assumed Kyrie would be playing in this game, which would have been his first game back in Boston since leaving the Celtics. But he announced that he would have season-ending knee surgery just weeks before the game, which I think is total BS that he doesn't want to face the music in Boston. But I think I already talked about that in one of the other podcasts. So I'm not going to get too into that. Um, yeah, I just think he's scared to return to Boston, and it's sad because he's a professional athlete and he cares what fans like. Um, I think, and other fans think when he gets yelled at when he comes back. 
But anyways, our seats were in the nosebleed seats. Obviously, because the tickets were a little bit priced up, because people obviously assumed it's going to be a big game. It was a national television. The Kyrie's going to be there. So our, our seats are way up there. But um, surprisingly, we still we still saw the court pretty well. The seats weren't bad at all. Um, the first half, I don't know. It just seemed like there was the place is pretty dead since Kyrie wasn't there. The Celtics played pretty well in the first half. They just seemed like there was no energy. It was kind of boring since we were up. I mean, it wasn't boring, but I don't know. There's just no energy. 56-43, and we were playing all right. I just were playing average. And then also in the third quarter, in the second half, we won the third quarter. I had a commanding 84-67 lead, heading in the fourth quarter, up by 17. So we're thinking, oh, obviously the game's over. I mean, who did the Nets have out there? Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan, Dinwiddie, Carlos Levert. Levert was their best player. Going to the third, I think he had around yeah fifteen sixteen points or whatever. Um, but this is where things totally turned around, turned the tables, which is crazy. So going into the fourth, I was up by seventeen, and then this crowd started chanting Kyrie, and I don't know if it where's Kyrie, where's Kyrie, because he wasn't there, and he's probably in his ice bath back in Brooklyn. <laughs> but um, I think maybe that lit a fire in the nets and motivated them because in that fourth quarter, they tied a record with um the 2019 Warriors because since they scored 51 points in a quarter, that sent the game in overtime, 118-118. Left me and other Celtics fans stunned, me and my other buddies, Mike, Caleb, and Josh. It was crazy. I didn't know the thing. I was like, what is happening? So we were up by three with 3.2 seconds left. Nets had the ball. Levert was going off in the fourth quarter, so everybody knew it was going to him. So Levert caught at the top of the key, went around two seconds left, took one dribble, got triple teamed, smart, hit him on the elbow, put 1.2 seconds left, sent him to the free throw line. Um, he made all three free throws, obviously. It was 118-118 going overtime. Then going to overtime, it was really all the nets. They had all the momentum going in the game since they went on a crazy run in the fourth quarter. So they ended up winning the game 129-20. With Levert leading the way in the second year of the NBA, I think, with 51 points, career high, obviously, 6 or 10 from 3 point. And with, like, two minutes left in the game, we just got so annoyed we left the game. Because, <laughs> obviously, we wanted to beat the traffic, and they were down by 8. So, I really, we didn't stay for the whole game. We pretty much did. But, um, yes, yeah, so they ended up winning by 9, which is insane. But the part you have to factor in, which there's still no excuse. You still should have won the game. But... Hayward didn't play the second half. He got hurt. I think it was a hamstring. Kemba, that was his first game back from his injury, and he was at mid restrictions. He didn't play the second half. And then Brown also got hurt. I don't know. I think it was his hand or something. So Brown played in, like, the first five minutes of the fourth. So it was like watching the main red claws in overtime since the starters out there, second half for Williams. Grant Williams, Rob Williams, Carson Edwards, Semi Ojolain, Brad Watermaker. Brad Watermaker is really the only one of those guys that gets significant playing time. He comes off the bench. He's like our sixth man. Him and Smart. Um, yeah, so we're pretty much watching them out there. Um, so obviously they didn't win because, I mean, the Nets players. I guess the Nets, I mean, the Nets didn't have too many good players out there besides Dinwiddie and Levert that we know. So I guess their G League players outplayed ours pretty much. And um, after the game. Um, smart lost his mind. We didn't see this since we left there, but I guess he lost his mind. He tried to go, um, confront one of the refs after the game. He had to be held back. And he ended up getting fined thirty five thousand for going after the refs, swearing at him since they made the three point um foul call, pretty much ruined the game and let the Nets tie it. But I mean, 
it was a foul, but Smart's kind of right. They usually never call those type of fouls at the end of games, ever, because they don't want it to decide the game. They really usually can get away with it, but still, Smart screwed up. He shouldn't have fouled them. Should have kept his hands straight up like the other two fenders, defenders, Watermaker, and I think it was Williams. He got three guys on him. And Smart tried to go in and strip it and make the defensive play, which he usually does make, but, yeah, it was just a mistake. But all in all, I mean, it was still a fun experience, I guess, right to the very end. It was kind of a long car ride home. Depressed, kind of. Celtics point, 17-point lead, but the experience is fun. I'll definitely be going back to um, games next year. We will see Kyrie return one of these days. Going to the third topic. I know away from basketball, March Madness, and the virus, but the, I guess the virus still does affect that since the NHL is, um, I, I, I don't know when. I know the NBA is coming back in 30 days, but I don't know if the NHL is um, suspended indefinitely. But the topic is, are the Bruins the team to beat right now? The Bruins currently sit at 44, 14, 12, so 44 wins. 14 losses, 12 overtime losses with 100 points. The first team in the whole NHL to reach 100, reach 100 points this year, which is the best record in the Eastern Conference and, all, and then the whole NHL. The interesting part, I think I heard one of my buddies talking about if the NHL cancels the season, they automatically award the President's Team Trophy Cup. Or What am I saying? They, uh, they automatically um give the tr- NHL um trophy Stanley Cup to the best team in the league, which would be the Bruins. So I guess it would be kind of a cheap way to win the Stanley Cup, but still. So if it holds out, we're Stanley Cup champs. But let's just say this is saying is if the season does come back, which I think it will, around the time the NBA does. So David Parsonak, who is the Bruins' best player, is number one in the league in goals at forty eight, third in the league in points with ninety four, which is goals and assists added together. And it's not just the Bruins' offense. They have a deadly attack, obviously. And Marshawn's up there on the goal ranks. I think he's top 15. And then, um, yeah, Marshawn uh, and then Bergeron. Yeah, that line is brutal. That's what they, you know, they tear teams up with and win games. But their defense is pretty good, too. Obviously, they got Charles so holding down the defense pretty much. But their their goalie, um, Tuka Rask, is uh, first in goals per game he gives up, which is a 2.18, which is really good. And then third in save percentage at 9.26. So, speaking of RAS, um, yeah, when I wrote this, like, I think this is their, like, last game they played before the season got uh, delayed. RAS, um, which was his 33rd birthday, it was that week. I forget what day it was when I wrote this. He had 36 saves. That led to a huge 2-1 against the Philadelphia Flyers in Philly. The Flyers were on a nine-game win streak, and it was Rass's 50th career shutout, which um, I guess it was a great win. I guess the Flyers, I think, are third in Eastern Conference. They have, I think, 41 or 41, so they were right behind us pretty much. And um, and a nine-game win streak, it was just a huge game. So there's only uh, 12 games left in the regular season, so I don't think anybody's going to catch us. We should take the President's Trophy home and best re- what's best regular league, obviously, be first in the East. And I don't really know much about hockey, but um, I don't see any other teams slowing the Bruins down before playoff time. Like I said, their schedule doesn't look that hard. Um, they should finish yeah, best regular NHL. Um, but the thing is, it might be bad luck, if you believe in luck like this, if they finish um, number one in the league because the President's Trophy Cup Teams that have won over the years. The last one that actually won the Stanley Cup was um 2013-12 uh, Blackhawks. 
Well, the Bruins actually played them in that uh, Stanley Cup and lost 4 2. Though it's been eight years since the um, President's Trophy team has won a Stanley Cup. I thought it was just throw this in there. But um, with all this being said, the Bruins look like the team to beat in the NHL right now and probably will be in the Stanley it will be Stanley Cup favorites heading into the playoffs. Um, okay. Yeah. That's pretty much it with the Bruins. Um, going into the fourth topic. This is kind of an interesting one. This is the Celtics one again. Will Jason Tatum win most player of the year award? Going into the season, I thought still Kemba would lead the team in points per game, and I thought Tatum would be second. But, Wow. What a year it's been for Jason Tatum. He's been leading the Celtics as the number as the number three seed in the East so far. Tatum's currently averaging twenty three point nine points per game, seven point one rebounds, and two point nine assists. He won Player of the Month in February, where he averaged thirty points per game, and he was only the fifth Celtics player ever to do that. One of the best wins of the season, which came in that month, was where he scored thirty nine points versus the Clippers in a double overtime win. Who have elite three elite defenders and Paul George, Kawhi, and Patrick Beverly, but George did get hurt in the second half, but still he had to deal with Kawhi and Beverly the whole game and second half. Um, I just thought I'd bring up uh through the last ten games, Tating is shooting forty six point eight percent from three, which is crazy. That's like Clay Thompson Curry numbers. Um, and then when they played the Lakers in LA, without Brown no, without I don't know if it was smart. They were without somebody. I think it was Brown or Smart. Um, the Lakers ended up winning the game by like one or two points. But after the game, even LeBron, who's the go to the league, my point, the best player ever, said um, Tatum is an absolute problem. Since he tires career high, that game with 41 points. Um, I guess his competition for this award would be um, Pelicans, small forward, Brandon Ingram is averaging 24.3 points, 4.3 assists, 6.3 rebounds. It's interesting because Ingram and Tatum pretty much have the same game. They're around the same height, same weight. They both played at Duke. Um, Yeah, they're pretty much the same type of player. I still think Tatum's better, but he's having a really good year, too. Last year, I think he averaged around six, 16, so his points per game's been up about 8. And then Tatum averaged 15 last year, so they're... Points per game is both up around the same eight nine points, um, and then the other competition obviously is Mavericks Luka Doncic who's averaging twenty point eight seven points per game nine point rebounds eight point assists. And I think it's gonna come down to Luka Tatum since Luka's averaging pretty much a triple double. I think Tatum's name's more out there, and since the Celtics are better than um, Pelicans, he'll get the votes over um, Ingram. But um, they're both top ten in the um. MVP voting this year too. Him and Luca. I think Tatum's like seventh. Luca's top five, but uh, DraftKings a, a betting sports website has Ingram at plus one seventy five. Luca plus six hundred. Tatum at plus two fifty. Win this award. My opinion, Luca should win this since um, he has much better stats than the other two players. And the Mavs are also in the playoffs right now too. Unlike the Pelicans, I think Mavs are in seventh seed. Last time I checked. Yeah. I'm trying not to be biased. I hope Tatum wins, but I just think Luka, I mean, his points per game went from 21 to 28, but he's just been playing out of his mind. He's pretty much in the Western. It's like, yeah, him and Harden, man, they just, yeah, they're the two best guards over there. They're better than Westbrook. I mean, yeah, it's him, Lillard, and Harden, pretty much top three. He's just amazing with all the step backs. He's pretty much Harden, the younger Harden, turning into him pretty much. 
going into the last topic, so last topic of my podcast ever will be Will Raphael Devers be an all star this year and will Bogart Sander Bogarts be the best shortstop of the all this year. So, um obviously the Red Sox are gonna have a rough year since obviously they have no pitching since sale just went down uh, Tommy John's gonna be out for like eighteen months, which sucks. I don't really want to talk about that. Uh, but Devers had an amazing year last year. We batted 311, 32 home runs, 115 RBIs. And the year before that, he batted like 260 with 15 home runs and 63 RBIs. So it was a huge increase. Last year before the All-Star back break, he was batting 328, 16 home runs, eight stolen bases, which I guess he kind of had sneaky speed people don't really know about. And ended up getting snubbed from the All-Star game that year. Bregman was the starter for the game, which I didn't mind since he had a great season last year, even though I knew what pitches were being thrown since the whole trash can banging scandal. But I was annoyed Matt Chapman made it over Devers to the bench, which is crazy since Chapman only batted 249, 36 home runs, 91 RBIs. The only thing Chapman's better at defense, uh, better than Devers is obviously his elite defense. He's him and Nolan Arenado, the best third baseman in the league for defense. But Devers isn't a brutal defender. He's average, and he had a way better offensive season. So I think he should have made it over Chapman that year. This year, though, with Anthony Rendon being on the Angels and the eight, who are in the AL this year, he probably is going to be the starter since he's going to be protected with Trout in the lineup. And I don't think anybody will vote for Bangman since everybody hates the Astros now after the cheating scandal. And even though he might have a good year since he has had good years in the past before the trash can thing. But um, I think Devers should definitely make it for the bench, and he will compete with Rendon as long as he stays healthy for the All-Star starter. But I still think he's definitely going to make the um, All-Star game this year. Um, Last year, Xander Bogarts had the best of the season of his career watch hurting him. He did a spot in the All-Star game. Where he batted 309, 33 home runs, 117 RBIs. That's amazing. Um, his competition this year would be Jorge Polanco with the best at, who had one of the, I think, one or, yeah, he was top five at average last year, batting around 330. Francisco Lindor, who's an elite defender, pretty much does everything. Five two player like bets, defense, speed, stealing, power, contact. Yeah, guy's amazing. Tim Anderson, who has power, had the best average in the league. And then Marcus Simeon, the, O's, uh, the Oakland A's shortstop, who just does pretty much everything good, like Lindor. is like a poor man's Lindor. But, um, so that would be Xander's competition. But in my opinion, it would come down to Lindor and Xander for the starting spot. In my opinion, Lindor will have a better season since he is healthy this year and almost has. And he pretty much is as good as a hitter as Xander, but he is elite defensively, way better, like, uh, Shortstop defensively, he's a switch hitter, which is really rare for a shortstop to have. Shortstop to have again, so I'm not trying to be biased, but I, I just don't think Bogarts is gonna get it this year. I think he'll make the bench, like Devers. But I think Lindor, if he stays healthy, Lindor, I think still almost had 40 home runs and he missed a big part of the season. I think he had 36, so Lindor should t- wrap that up. But um, that's pretty much the last topic. It's gonna wrap it up. I just want to thank all my listeners throughout the year. Um, for listening um these eight podcasts I put out. I also want to thank um, Mike, Matt, um, yeah, Mike and Matt, and then Mitch the one time for um, helping me um, put this together since they helped me. Um, obviously, I couldn't do a group podcast without them, and Matt for um, letting us do it in his uh, apartment. 
Um, again, thank you, everybody, and uh, peace out.